Good morning. Why don't you put your hands together for the Lord? I just want to thank God once again for the opportunity to share his word with you and also to have a fellowship with you. I would like to use this opportunity to once again thank Pastor Tom and the elders of uh, City Church uh, for the opportunity to stand here again. City Church is my second home. And so once again, I want to thank you for making me feel welcome anytime I come here. I am grateful and I thank you for it. I came with uh, one of my pastors and his wife from Living Springs International Church, Pastor Albert and uh, uh, his wife, uh, Dr. Abigail. Um, And also my family are here. My daughter is right there, Eliana, and my son, Benaya, and of course, my beautiful wife, uh, Lady Joanna. <laughs> Would you please be on your feet with me for a minute as we pray? Father, it is true that this morning our fear doesn't stand a chance when we stand in your love. We thank you for the gift of life, your grace that is sufficient for us. Father, in you we live, we move, and we have our being. This morning, the gathering of the saints is unto you. So, Lord, we have come this morning to give it all to you, to pour out our spirit, to worship, to praise you, and also to hear from you. So, Lord, will you come in your power? Will you come in your strength? Father, your word is sharper than two-edged sword. It pierces through our bones and our marrows. It heals the sick. Father, it comes to correct us and to rebuke us. So, Lord, I pray this hour that your word will come unhindered. We pray that, Lord, let every voice that is not your voice be silent and let your voice alone echo in this room. Would you hide me behind the cross and speak your word to your people? In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Oh, amen. This morning, uh, as Pastor Tom said, I thank God for the connection that I have with Pastor Tom and City Church. I am originally from Ghana in, the West, in West Africa. And uh, by the grace of God, I relocated here. God directed me to move to the state with my family. Uh, we have a church here. In, um, and God is doing a lot of things in, in the city of Madison, and I love to be here. This week is a missions week. And I couldn't think about anything better because I have been in missions, and I know the heart in it. Because without missions, the church wouldn't have been what it is today. Somebody has to get it done. And I thank God for the, the, the people who have that calling and that ministry to just go out there and do the work that is happening. Because the church of God will never die. Everywhere I stand, I decree that and I say that the church of God can never die, no matter what it is. Because God is gathering an army every day and you are part of that army. It doesn't matter what happens, it doesn't matter the storm, it doesn't matter what the enemy do, God is gathering an army and the church of God will triumph. So today I am glad that I can stand here and say that yes, we are part of the church of God. This morning, before I share a message with you, um, as mission, mission week, there's a quote I want to just start with. And this is to our missionaries. Oswald J. O. Smith said that we talk of the second coming. Half of the world has never heard of the first. How can we talk about the second when we don't have the first? 
So this morning, my heart goes down, and then I shout out to all the missionaries who have decided to go out there and talk about the first, so that others will also hear the second. So this hour, we celebrate all the missionaries. Those here, those back home, will you put your hands together? Let's celebrate them. Let's celebrate them. I want to thank you for dedicating your time, your life. I know how missions is. Sometimes there are the places that nobody wants to go, but you are there. So thank you. Please, open your Bible with me. Luke chapter 9, from verse 10 to uh, 17. And there's a custom in this church. We stand to read the word of God. Amen. It's a culture at City Church. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. But a crowd learned about it and followed him. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came to him and said, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fishes unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. About 5,000 men were there, but he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fishes and look up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. Lord, will you let your word come in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Will you please take your seat? Today I'm sharing with you a message entitled, Working Together to Feed the Multitude. Every one of us coming together to feed the multitude. Have you ever prepared dinner for your family like Say a family of five, six, ten, and you prepare the meal, and then your teenagers come home with a bunch of people. <laughs> have you ever experienced that? And then right away, you're asking yourself, we don't have enough food, so you are running to the kitchen to find some sandwiches and something that's, that's to feed them. This story is very similar. If you read from chapter 9, verse 1, it talks about the beginning of missions. After Jesus Christ had deposited a lot of the knowledge, the wisdom, the power into the disciples. He sent the 72 out. He sent them to just go and go to the villages and do missions work, to speak the word, to heal the sick, give them the power to just go ahead and do it. So they went and then they came back. After they came back, I believe very well that Imagine you have gone to missions, you've gone to do evangelism work, you've done it all. When they came, they came back exhausted, they were tired. So we fast forward to verse uh, verse, uh, 10. And it says that Jesus Christ told them, listen, now you are back. He withdrew them, he took them and said, let's go across. Let's go to Bethesda. We're going back there to just have 
me talk. Just to have a time for ourselves. Have a little retreat. Let's eat. Let's have time and then let us just have a conversation. But the Bible says that while Jesus and his people, disciples were going, the crowd saw him and they followed him. Why? Because everywhere Jesus goes, the crowd will follow. Because we all know that wherever there's Jesus, there's peace. We know where's Jesus, there's deliverance. The Bible says that they followed him and when he saw them, he preached the word to them and then he healed those who needed help. Wherever Jesus goes, miracles happen. The good news is that no matter what is going on in your life this morning, because of Jesus, there's deliverance for your life. The crowd saw him and they followed. When Jesus saw them and the disciples saw them, I could imagine how frustrated and how angry they will be, especially Peter. What is wrong with you people? We just came back. We need me time. We want to have time with our boss. We want to have time with Jesus. But here you are. And I believe very well that the apostles or the disciples, some of them might probably have wished that Jesus would send them away. But Jesus never sent them away. Because Jesus never sent anybody away. He never sent anyone away. No matter who you are, no matter what is going on, he has time for you. Jesus has time for you. So he never sent them. And the Bible says he gave them the word of God. He healed them. And then whilst it was going on, getting to that evening or getting to the dark, they came to him and said, Jesus, send them away. You notice the scripture said that he said, send them. He didn't, they didn't ask Jesus. They told him. And I believe that the spokesperson was Peter. You need to let them go. Don't you see what we see? It's getting dark. And we are in a remote place. There's no food. There's nothing out here. So send them to the city so that they can go and eat and have lodging. But listen to the reply. Jesus said, you feed them. Get them something. Wasn't Jesus aware that these people didn't have anything? Is he not the all-knowing God? Why? But Jesus told them that, uh-uh, this woman, you and I are going to work together to take care of these people. Get them something. This morning, I want you to know you have something. He said, get them something. And I can imagine. He said, Master, we don't have anything. In the other gospel, it says that one of the disciples said, if we are supposed to feed these people, we're going to have to use eight months' salary to feed them. The Bible talks about it. It says that there were about 5,000 men. And in the first service, I said that Pastor Tom is a good theologian. So when, if I'm wrong, when I leave, he can come and correct it. I will be gone by that time. <laughs> and I know that he will bring me back to the pulpit again, but he will tell me, don't say that again. <laughs> but what happened was that he said there were about 5,000 men. In that scripture, it was talking, not talking about people as 5,000. He was talking about men. So it is saying that it is believed that there might be more than 5,000 people there. Imagine everyone goes with a family of four. We're talking about 20 people, 20,000. There were a crowd. Bible said there was a crowd of people. And then Jesus told them that what I want you to do is that let them sit down in groups of 50. I believe very well that at that time everyone was getting angry. Imagine organizing a group of people. I am tired. You still want me to organize these people? Because dealing with human beings are very difficult. Oh. I don't know about this church. But I know that dealing with people are very hard. Because about 20,000 people, and you are telling them, 
to group them in 50s. I can imagine that this one don't like this one, so when they say, you sit here, they say, I want to go and sit here. This is my neighbor, I don't like them, so I want to go and sit on this side. And you are angry. But there's something that actually happened. Bible says that the disciples did just what Jesus has asked them. He took the bread, he lifted it up to heaven, and he prayed unto the Lord. This morning, that tells me something. It tells me about the word obedience to God. Sometimes it is not about what we have, but it's about what God can do. All we need is to obey him. All we need is to follow the directions that he's given unto us because I have said it over and over that the directions of God never make sense, but it brings answers and miracle. If not, on the walls of Jericho, how can you tell me to just walk around the walls and it will fall? It don't make sense. But by obedience, it happened. And when they had sat in groups of 50, Bible says that the Lord Jesus, the master, he took it unto the Lord and he blesses. This morning, what is this telling me? It is telling me that whatever I have, if I take it and I present it to the giver, he will multiply it. Anything God has given to you, the only thing we have to do is to rededicate it back to him. So he did that. He did that to show us that whatever it is in our hand, if we give it to him, he can take care of it. This morning, God is telling me and you to get up, get ready to work together to feed the multitude. We've all been called to service. We've all been called to serve. We got the sense that these people didn't have the time to rest, but they had to get the work done. This morning, God wants you to get the work done. It is a missions week. In the other gospel, we were told that the disciples had complained that it would take eight months' salary to feed them. The disciples counted seven things on that area. They counted five loaves of bread and two fishes. But they had forgotten that there was plus one. And that plus one was Jesus himself. They counted bread and they counted fishes. This morning, sometimes we take Jesus out of the equation. But I want you to understand that when we take Jesus out, the equation will never match. They had forgotten that they had the master himself right there. They were only seeing the problems. Sometimes we only see the problems. We only see what we don't have. But this morning, I want you to know that when you do your math, math, when you look at your bank account, whatever that you have, the resources you have, I want you to know that there's plus one, and his name is Jesus. They didn't see him, but he was there to take care of it. Sometimes we are compelled. We get to that point that we feel like, no, it is it. This is it. We are tempted to count what we only have. And when we count it, it is never enough. How much money we have saved, how much resource we have. Sometimes we feel frustrated like the disciples because the crowd are more than the resource. We realize that the bills are more than the income. We realize that what the doctors have said doesn't, mean, doesn't look like there's any hope anymore. What the lawyers have said, it seems like there's no hope anymore. But this morning, I want you to know that there's plus one. He's Jesus. Today, I want to remind you that you have that plus one that you, need to, you don't have to count him out yet. You have Jehovah Jireh himself, the great provider, the one who can give to you, multiply and multiply it for you over and over. You have Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. The disciples only counted seven. They forgot Jesus. Today, it does not matter how much you have counted. Jesus is the greatest resource of it all. 
And if you can count him, he will get the rest of it done for you. Bible says after Jesus finished praying, he gave, them, he gave it to them to start feeding them. They were able to eat more and have leftovers. The obedience will bring results unto us. In the scripture we read, there are about three or four things that I want you to, if you forget anything, you can take home. The first one, God can multiply our mega resource to accomplish a great thing. Our God can multiply the insufficient, the insufficient resource to accomplish the greater things in our life. The little that you have, that is all God needs. It's not the much that you have. It was only two fishes and then five loaves. That was not enough in the eyes of man. We sometimes fall into that same trap. We look at the needs around us and conclude that we don't have anything. We can't help. We must remember that God is not just in the business of multiplying loaves and fishes, but he's in the business of multiplying everything about your life. He can multiply anything we give to him. That means that we can give him our talent, our time, our treasure, and the God who cares and knows everything can use it for anything he wants. You may see shyness and lack of skills in your life. In certain areas, preventing you from doing what you are supposed to do. Let me remind you that God can take whatever and make it something. He can take the impossible and make it possible. This morning, what do you have to offer unto the Lord? In a missions week, in a missions month, what do you have? Whatever it is, God can use it to accomplish a great thing. Whatever you feel you have, whether it's a talent to offer, a financial means, or whatever it is, God needs it right now. He used a small thing to make it big. Bible says that unless a seed of corn is put on the ground, it will still remain one. But when we give it to God and he put it out there, he multiplies it for us. This morning, you got something to offer to God. The second thing I want to talk about in the verse we've read, sometimes the greatest opportunity for ministry come at a time that seems inconvenient the most. Imagine, they just came back from a mission trip. They needed a mean time with Jesus Christ. They wanted time to just spend with each other, a family. I don't know about you, but sometimes you get so tired. Imagine the day that you have a day off and you are sleeping in the middle of the night and then your phone rings. They are calling you back to work. When you feel like this is the time to rest, something is happening. Sometimes you want to just tell people to go. In fact, I need time for myself. I'm tired. I was, telling, I was saying that, I don't know about Pastor Tom, Tom, but sometimes the calls that you don't want to take, they are the calls that you really have to take them. Sometimes we are so focused. We are so concerned about our business, the me and me and me syndrome. I got to do this for my family. I got to do that. So we get we are so focused on everything around us that everything that the Lord brings on our way, we don't see it. But this morning, I'm here to tell you that God will bring an interruption in your life as an opportunity to do the ministry. When you walk down to the store and you are in the aisle and you are so focused on getting something and someone just tap you on the shoulder and you are so angry. No, God has brought some people in your life so that you can use that moment to serve them. 
Do you remember the neighbor that you don't like? They are so annoying, right? You don't want to talk to them because they, want, they don't want to even, when your kids are playing, they are mad. You have forgotten that God has placed you at that moment, at that moment for that annoying neighbor so that you can be a resource unto that neighbor. This morning, the greatest opportunity for ministry come at the time that seems most inconvenient in our life. But we ought to be ready. They were tired. Sometimes you get tired, but opportunity will come. God just needs your availability, and he will use it. This morning, can I tell you that each and every one of us seated here, you are not just a pew warmer. God has called you, every one of us. It says that the ministries are different. There are some people who have not been to the Bible school, but they are working more than those who have been to the Bible school. Each and every one of us has been called to service. In your workplace, in your environment, in the, there's a story in America that now you go to work, you can't even talk about God. The devil is a liar. You can talk about God everywhere. Because your lifestyle can be talking about God. You don't need to speak. But by your way of life, it will talk about you that, ah, this one is unique. We have been called to service. In our own way, in our own schools, in our own workplaces, everywhere we are, we've been called to service. This morning, God is telling you and I to work together to feed the multitude. Your gift that you have is supposed to serve somebody else. Everything. The most inconvenient time is a time that God wants you to do the ministry the most. You see, Jesus saw an opportunity, but the disciples saw an inconvenience. This morning, do you see opportunity? Or you see an annoying neighbor? Do you see an opportunity? Or you see a stubborn child? Do you see an opportunity? Or you see a church that full of bad people? You talk about everything, but you don't see there's an opportunity for you to fix it. What are you doing to fix it? Because the greatest inconvenient moment is when God has placed you. The reason why you are at City Church is that God wants to use you at City Church. You have been called to also serve as a missionary. So this morning, don't see it as an unfortunate situation. See it as an opportunity for joy. Use that moment to bring the glory of God in somebody's life. Use that moment to bring deliverance onto somebody's life. There's a third part of it that I want to share with you. The third part I want to share with you. God expects us to be part of the solution by working together. And I want to just spend a lot of time here. You see, Jesus Christ is a miracle-working God. We see a crowd of people who have come to Jesus. And then Jesus Christ realizing that, do you think that Jesus didn't know that they were hungry? He knew that they were going to be hungry at a point. Because he's an all-knowing God. So Jesus Christ could have just called unto the Father to open the heavens and bring manna to them so that they can eat. He could have just do any miracle that he did not need that five loaves of bread and that two fishes to feed them. Isn't it? Because he can do it. He can even call on the Father to fill their bellies so that they will not be hungry. Everything is possible. So what was the purpose why Jesus Christ had to ask the disciples to just get to work? Why? Because he wants you to be part of the solution. I said earlier that our God is building an army. God wants you to be part of that army. 
He wants you to be part of the solution. We are crying about the world. The world is getting bad. Everything is going wayward. The church is, is dying. But this morning, what are you also doing? Because he wants you to be part of the solution. No. He could have just commanded everything. Right now, Jesus Christ can just command that everything that you think it is evil in this world should stop. It will stop. But he is asking you to get down and do something. He asked them, what do they have? He said, two. He said, gather the group. And they started gathering the group of people. Why would Jesus have them go through all these situations, these problems? Why this work? Why does Jesus Christ need you? This morning, I'm here to tell you that if someone has told you that you don't matter, I want to tell you that you really matter to God. If someone has told you that, or you have told yourself that, I don't have no gift, I don't know who I am, I want you to know that you are the child and the son of the living God. He wants you to be part of the solution by making sure that the kingdom of God stands. That is why whatever you are going through, whatever is happening, is happening. That is why you are still alive. In the neighborhood he has placed you, you are supposed to be a voice in that neighborhood. The disciples saw a problem. It was getting late in the day and everyone was getting hungry. So they told Jesus to let them go. But Jesus said, you do something about it. This morning, Jesus is telling you to do something about it. That situation, he wants you to speak into that mountains to be moved. He says that you have been complaining about the mountains so much. Don't complain about it anymore. Speak to it. He said you are doing things out there. You are hearing every voice, but he has given you a power that you are not using. So use that power. The voices that are speaking, he's telling you that he has also given you a voice. Speak that voice. I read a book. It's called The No Complaining Rule. Some of you are familiar with it. The author laid out a very interesting principle that I think is good. He says that you are not allowed to complain about a problem unless you say how to or you plan how to solve it. If you cannot have a plan to solve it, then don't complain about it. The disciples were complaining about the problem. They said, there are too many. We don't have anything to do. But Jesus says, you do have something. This morning, what is it that you are complaining about every day? Most of us have time. We have had the time where we have seen a need and said somebody should do something to help these people out. But true ministry begins when a person says, I am somebody. This morning, the time to point finger and say, someone got to get it done. Sometimes we sit in the church, right? The church is big. We come and then we don't even know how things are going. Someone is going to have to take care of it. This morning, I'm saying that you are that somebody who is supposed to take care of it. Because the day that we were expecting that someone is going to do it, everybody was thinking someone else was going to do it. At the end of it, nobody got it done. So you are that somebody to get that thing done. I should do something to help these people out. Look around your life and see what problem you see. Then ask yourself, how can I be part of this solution? Maybe Jesus is saying to you, I have helped you to see what the people are seeing and how hungry they are. Now I'll help you to feed them. If we will allow ourselves, God will use us to feed the people. Can I tell you that what God is looking for from you is your availability? Because our God does not call the qualified. He calls the unqualified to qualify them. So it is not about your qualification. It's not about your inability because he uses the inability and bring ability out of it. He uses the foolish things of the world to confirm the wise. So it's not about whether you have money or you don't have money. What he wants you to do is to come just as you are. 
If you can just present your life and say, God, here I am, use me. He says that he wants you to be part of what he's doing. So he needs your time. He needs your talent. He needs your gift. Let no one tell you that you don't have a gift. You don't have a talent. You are dumb. That word, when I hear the word dumb, I don't understand it. Where did it come from? Because nobody is dumb. There's a gift and a talent God has deposited in you. So this morning, I want to challenge you. That whoever you are, whatever you are doing, God has given you something to bring it together so that we can work together to make the world a better place. I shared earlier about a man who is a scientist, done a lot of great job with his wife. He's been with his wife for 50 years, the wife died. And this man was broken. He walks to me. I sit in the office with him and he said, Pastor, why? Why should my wife die? I have helped the world. We've done a lot of things. Right now, all I want to do is to close down the plant. Close everything because it's not worth living and doing anything again. So I look at him and I said, I cannot tell you that I feel the way you feel. Because it is only the one who is in the problem who knows how he feels. But I know that God knows how you feel. But one thing I want to encourage you is is that whatever you have done over the last 50 years with your wife, it was not just for you and for your wife, but it's to help the world to be a better place. This morning, God gives you what you have so that someone else can benefit from it. He wants you to be part of the solution. That is why he has given you what you have. I said earlier that the reason why when you die, you don't take your mansion with you is because someone else has to enjoy the mansion that you have built. Some of you have some nice cars. Tesla. Is that the fancy car now? Or which one is it? Big cars. Expensive. To the point that you don't want your kids to play with it. You have rules that you give to them. Don't touch here. Don't do this. But when you die, you don't take that fancy car to you in your grave. Someone else is going to come and, and enjoy that car. It might be that child that you didn't want him to touch that car. He's going to be the one who is going to enjoy it. Everything we have, the school that you have, the education that you have, the money that you have saved, God has given you that education so that one way or the other, someone else can benefit from it. So this morning, it is not just about you, but God wants you to bring what you have, and I can bring what I have. In the body of Christ, we can come together and continue to move the kingdom of God forward. You might have money, but you cannot go to where some people go. You might have the gift. Someone is to bring it so that those who can go can go. We sit in this beautiful place. There's electrician. There's everything that is happening out here. The enjoyment that we are enjoying. There are a lot of different people who came together to put it together. So that the world will be a better place. This morning I want to tell you that God expects us to be part of the solution. So are you ready to be part? Because he just needs your time and availability. He needs everything that he has given to you. We have complained enough. We have so many reasons why we can't get it done. But this morning, I want you to know that we can do it together. Let me share the last part with you. If we are willing, then he's able. This morning, if you are willing, God is able. Because the will of God will never take you where the grace of God will not sustain you. So if he says it, that means he's going to get it done. I read a story, it says that if it is will, if it is his will, then it is his bail. 
If it is his will, it is his bill. He's already taking care of it. The only thing that he's actually expecting you and I to do is to be willing. He said, Lord, here I am, send me. This is my five loaves of bread. Someone is also saying that this is my two fishes. The John Gospel says that even that five loaves of bread and fishes was for a small boy in the crowd. So this one, God is asking you to bring what you have. Bring your talent. Bring your two fishes. Bring your five loaves. Bring whatever you have. Let's put it together and we feed the multitude together. Because if we are willing, then he is able. He's able to do it. He will do it today. He will do it tomorrow. Your availability is all that he needs. I want to just end with this quote to our missionaries. You see, John Keefe says something. He said, I have but one candle of life to burn. And I would rather burn it out in the land filled with darkness than in the land flooded with light. This morning, to our missionaries, may the Lord bless you for burning your one candle in a place where there's darkness. That you didn't choose to enjoy your comfort zone, but to go to the place where it's not comfortable to be able to burn the light out there. May the Lord bless you. Will you please stand with me? This morning, God wants you to work together with me to feed a multitude. That is all he's looking for from you. Father, each and every one of us here have something to give to you. But sometimes the voice of the enemy tells us that we are not able. The voice tells us that we are incapable. Father, it tells us of our weaknesses more than our strength. It tells us about how we cannot get it done rather than how to get it done. So Lord, would you give us the understanding and open our eyes to know that whatever you have deposited in us, you want to use it. Lord, we pray for our missionaries. We pray for the infilling and the reviver. Father, we pray for new oil upon their lives. Fresh anointing. We pray that, Lord, you will fill them as never before. We ask that, Lord, you will give them the power. Father, to be able to break the chains. Father, we pray that you give them the power to heal the sick, to heal the brokenhearted. Lord, we will cover their families. You are the supplier. You are our provider. So, Lord, I pray that, Lord, the little they have, as they present it to you, would you increase it to the glory of your name.